You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Time Warp. The trio are back. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined, as usual, by my fellow NUFC Vavil office writers, Dan Wright and Alex Wood. Since we last recorded the podcast, Newcastle have not, lo- have not lost just one game. They've lost two. I think we've got to start with last night first, a, a defeat to Burnley, a performance that wasn't too bad, given that Newcastle played the game with you know, essentially a B team. Dominated the game, hit the bar, keeper had a worldie, Burnley offers next to nothing, didn't have a shot on target, but won the game on penalties, they're the team that progresses through to the next round of the Carabao Cup, so Newcastle's long wait for a trophy, well, run was on at least until the FA Cup uh, in January, so lads, Dan, I'm, I'm going to come to you first, just your initial reaction on the game last night, you were there of course, you said you weren't going to go and then ended up being in the Gallagher, didn't you? <laughs> Well, Lisa's, but uh, I oh, similar, yeah. similar sort of sentiment. I said I definitely wouldn't go. I couldn't think of anything worse. And then <laughs> you find yourself paying a tenner and it's like, oh. We can't help ourselves. That's the problem. No, it's like I, I wasn't. You go to Newcastle Burnley and it's a bad game. You don't blame anyone but yourself because well, it's yeah. your stupid fault that you paid the tenner to go and watch it. <laughs> and that was pretty much what I left the ground thinking. But it was it was better than I expected. To be honest, like you said, there was a few decent performers. I think there's a few players in that squad that, uh, that in this team yesterday that you think actually they've noted themselves no pro- problems in terms of they could get in the first team for the league game. So I'm looking at, I think Ryan Fraser looked threatening. I think he linked up quite well with Jamal Lewis at times. And, you know, Richie's had a difficult start to the season. So Lewis has put himself 
in the frame potentially he he, he was quite lively um but yeah we we batted them really I'm going a bit far but we had so many chances fair, I thought we did I thought we did batter them so many chances them. yeah they they were they they're a horrible horrible football team that's not yeah. that's not news but they did they did a Burnley on us really and just sat deep and yeah once it went to penalties there's only going to be one winner really wasn't there yeah yeah, um, I'll just bounce off what Dan said. Yeah, um, we definitely did get Burnley. Um, it, it's their first clean sheet in 17 games in competitive football. So, of course, it's going to be against Newcastle start. United. There's the start. Uh, <laughs> um, that, uh, that's not the only one I've got today um, or, oh. or anything like that. Yes. Um, and, yeah, uh, as Dan said, the fringe players that could, could have started and... Um, Possibly will be knocking on Steve Bruce's door today or tomorrow saying, hang on a minute, I, I should be playing. I played Mint. Um, Jamal Lewis is one. Um, and I would, I'd say Ryan Fraser's the other one, especially against the Southampton side who can run and run and run. They are an extremely fit side. So a, a nippy player like Ryan Fraser, you can't really say no. So I know the game last night, I know we played well, but to be honest, Bruce was saying in his press conference, didn't he, it was like, we are going to put out a, a really, really strong eleven. And unless my eyes are deceiving me, <laughs> nine changes, and it was only Jamal LaSalle and Freddie Woodman that kept their places. So are mm. you guys surprised that he, he didn't start St. Maximin? And, and, and at least Joel Willock, I thought, you know, he's, he's a man who's really desperate to get some football under his belt and get him up to speed, really, because he didn't have a... You know, I think he played 40 minutes in pre-season for Arsenal. So, are you guys surprised at all that at least Willock didn't come in from the off? Yeah, I mean, the injury issues that St. Maximin and Wilson have had during pre-season, injury illness, I think it made sense not to play them. I mean, St. Maximin wasn't on the pitch 15 minutes, but they just kicked the living daylights out of him. Yeah. So, if he's playing a full 90 and he gets injured, then we're all like having a go at Steve Bruce for playing him in the second round of the Carabao Cup. And Wilson, just don't risk him. Like, and we all want to do well in the cup, but I'm fully behind the decision not to play him because he's had a hamstring injury, pretty much non-stop since he arrived at Newcastle. And like I say, if, same with St. Maximin, if he gets injured against Burnley, you you are fuming. The Willock one, yeah, he needs minutes in his belt. And to be honest, I thought he looked sharp when he came on. He's he's really good with the ball at his feet. We could have definitely done with that, but I'm not surprised at all by the lineup. It, it was. It's what you expect in the early rounds of the yeah. cup. Uh, and Steve Bruce needs to look at fringe players that we have. Uh, as we said, Jeff Hendrick. Jeff Hendrick looked bright. It, it, it's Jeff Hendrick. Like we, mm. we need, we need looks of him because obviously we've got injuries in midfield. So the more midfielders that play in that position, the the better. Like Ryan Fraser's turned into um, a, a similar player to what Miguel Almiron can do. Um, but again, he has end product as Ryan Fraser. Not last night, obviously, but that's been a criticism of Miggy. And looking at other players that are coming in, Manquillo, he, I, I think he looked bright as well. Mm. And obviously, as Dan mentioned, J- uh, Jamal Lewis, uh, um, since Matt Ritchie's not had the greatest start to the season. Um, yeah, like you've got to change it up and, and do that. Yes, the cup might be one of them things that Steve Bruce has always said, it matters to me, it matters to me, it matters to me. But realistically, it doesn't. It matters no. if you get a good draw, and I'm more annoyed at the result now that Burnley have got Rochdale at home in the next <laughs> round. That's not a disrespect to Rochdale. I know that they give us a, a really good game in the FA Cup a couple of years back, but uh, without sounding too egotistical, I feel it's a buy into the into the fourth round, and we've missed that opportunity. You know, Newcastle fans like we we cling at the hope of not even really winning a cup. It's it's more about getting to Wembley, isn't it? It's more about going to Wembley, yeah. having the day out, 
40,000 Geordies taking over London. That's what we all dream of. Yeah. It's not really the cup. Like, let's be honest. If we got to Wembley, we'd get thumped. So <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. But I don't think there's anything really else to cover on, on the Burnley game. It was what it was, wasn't it? I thought the performance was all right. A shame that maybe Joe Willock didn't get a start, but considering we've got a huge game on Saturday against Southampton, I think Bruce ultimately made the right call with the squad. We played well, deserved to win, and it didn't happen. Uh, but one game that was an absolute nightmare was the game at the weekend. Dan had the pleasure of going to this game. Uh, yeah. He was, he was about Aston Villa away, a 2-0 defeat. It wasn't without its controversy, mind. It was a 2-0 defeat, but it could have been a lot better for Newcastle. Refereeing performance uh, wasn't the best from David Cooter. You know, I think he, he messed up quite a lot of... You know, we, had, we should have had a penalty. Maybe Villa should have been down to 10 men. But we'll address it all now. But, Dan, I'm going to come to you first, uh, just like we did with the Burnley game. Just your initial reaction to the match. I imagine it was worse sitting in the away end than it was uh, me at home listening to the radio. Uh, I, I don't know about that because I feel like in lockdown, when you watch a game on the TV, you are just essentially getting angry at the telly. Yeah. But when you're there with your mates, you can have a bit of a laugh. And it's it, it had a good day. The football nearly ruined it, but... No, the performance, it's like, I'm sure I've seen that performance about 20 times since Steve Bruce's manager, where you just they just don't ever get up for it and don't ever look like getting up for it. And the away, the home team just, they, they, they had it so easy, it's ridiculous. We've seen it so many times and it's just like, give us something to shout about, please. Because Villa were so ordinary. No, they, they, really they weren't were. very good, were they? That's, what, so that's what I was saying. It was like, Aston Villa aren't actually that good. I mean, they got beat off Watford the week before. They got a pile of new players in the squad. And they didn't... We were the better side for 40 minutes in that half. I mean, Wilson had a sitter. Six minutes into mm. the game. If he buries that, it's a totally different match. And nine times out of ten, he does. The goal that they did score, mind, was like a one in a million. It was a bit special. Oh, it was a one in a million from, from Danny Ings. I think from there, we all knew where this game was going, didn't we, mm. Alex? Yeah, um, I, the the flip side of it as well is that um, Villa had ten shots and only had two on target, and that was both goals. Um, so, like you can look at it there that we we did limit their actual chances of what they did. Mm. Mm. I, I just I don't know. I just think they were just very ordinary. They never really. Yeah, no, I agree. They were they were extremely ordinary. I mean, considering but, it was uh, their first game in front of a full house for eighteen months, you would have think they would have been a lot better than they were. I know they won the game. But really, yeah. is there an achievement beating Newcastle nowadays? <laughs> Not with the performance on Saturday, there wasn't. No. Um, the Wilson chance, you can just know a VAR, that's getting brought back for a foul if he slots oh, that yeah. in anyway. Yeah. So. It's, an off, it's either an offside or a foul on Mings. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. And while we're on the topic of offsides, though, the oh, penalty decision. Absolutely unbelievable. Me and my dad were watching it and we were howling because we, we thought we'd had a penalty and the first thing we were going is, right, get Martinez sent off. He's nearly decapitated at Wilson. It's a straight red in my eyes because if he gets past him, he scores. He's got an open goal. And then as soon as we heard VAR is checking for a potential offside, it was like, oh, well, here we go. That's going to get ruled out. Yeah. And VAR is just another topic because we've seen it being a lot more lenient this year, especially, I think it was Bruno Fernandes' goal against Leeds. That's the one that yeah. a lot of Newcastle fans are bringing up. He's, you know, he, he looks offside on that. He looks more offside than Wilson. And because Wilson looks like he's got a size 11 shoe, he's been... He's been caught offside, which, under these new VAR rules, it, it shouldn't happen. Last year, I have no qualms with it because that's the you know that's the rules. It's if you're a millimeter offside, you're offside. But it doesn't seem they're doing that this year. But Newcastle have have got the old VAR rules for for Saturday. Yeah. Well, I, the thing that really grinds my gears about it is that it can't be scientific. You can't 100% overrule the decision because if you look at zooming on the picture, 
one of Callum Wilson's shoes is about five times the size of the other one, so yeah. it's clearly an, a live shot that is not stood still. Is what, as far as I'm aware, both of Callum Wilson's feet are roughly the same size. <laughs> you can't use that as evidence to say he's offside when his his foot is massive in the picture. It is ridiculous. You've but, got to give leeway to the attacking player, like just like Bruno Fernandes, who actually was offside. Oh yeah, he that, clearly was offside. <laughs> That's meant to be the rule, is that you are giving leeway to the attacker. But because, obviously, the, the decision is offside, the conversation whether Martinez should have a red card or not is completely eradicated. Because that foul officially doesn't exist. But he got the yellow card, though, didn't he? So it does exist. I think he should have been, he should have been sent off regardless, I thought. I don't know whether... It's a dangerous, the... dangerous play is dangerous play, isn't it, I, I guess? Mean, I mean, his leg is, has hit Wilson's neck, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure it's a red. I, I don't know. I think the fact that it's the very corner of the box saves him on yeah. the goal scoring opportunity. I'd need to see it again because if he was through on goal, which I thought he was, because he, he looked like he was one-on-one, wasn't he? And if Martinez he, doesn't take Wilson out, Callum's got an open net and he should score. So in that case, he's denied a clear goal scoring opportunity. But double jeopardy. Yeah, double jeopardy. Uh, well, we, we can't dwell on it too much, can we? That's the, that's the most irritating thing about it. And back-to-back defeats... Like you said last night down on Twitter, it might just be teams in claret and blue we're rubbish against. Yeah, that's the plan. I mean, we've got a famously good record against teams in red and white, haven't we? So Southampton should be fun. <laughs> Especially the ones over the water. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, while we're on the topic of, of teams in red and white, it's Southampton that visits St James's Park on Saturday. Already, I see this as a relegation six-pointer. We're three <laughs> games into the season. That's how I would dress this because Southampton, I expect they're going to be down there with us this season. I know, like, I tipped them for relegation. Adam Armstrong, you know, former Geordie, you know, lived up here. I assume he still supports the club. He might not after he got released, but, well, he got sold. But he's going to be well up for it on Saturday, and there's no team he's going to want to score more against than, than Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got Adam Armstrong goal written all over it. Oh, yeah. I've seen this. I've almost I've seen this before. Um, yeah, it, it is a big game, I think. Are we overestimating the size of it? Maybe we're three games in, That's but the then on, thing, on the other side of the coin, you look at, uh, well, if we lose this, then we've got zero points from nine. And nine points where you think, you look at the sides we've played, you want at least one win out of those three, in my opinion. Considering you've got the likes of Brighton who've won two games. Yeah, two. exactly. Southampton got a really good point against Man United as well at the weekend. That's, yeah. that's going to help and, them. And we haven't played a top team at mm, all. Maybe West so, Ham. But maybe maybe they did look good against Leicester to be fair um, but we're going into the international break with zero points potentially and then it's a trip to Old Trafford to come where we've got a famously horrendous record and then it's you're like four games in potentially already a bit of a buffer between yourself and 17 but it's it's pretty bleak like yeah no, I, I 100% agree um, I just wanted to um, gauge your guys' opinion do you think that we have a problem with finishing at this football club already like because obviously we've, we've already had three games played already um, we've had 32 shots in all three games um, and only scored two goals is is that an issue? I think it's always um, been an issue yeah, for me Wilson's it's more about yeah, sorry, for me it's more about the creation of chances 32 shots but how many of those have been chances like real chances I think in the formation that we've lined up in there's just not there's often just not enough players in attacking areas. The ones we've got are good. I think in terms of finishing, there's not that many better finishers than Callum Wilson in the division. I think he's, other than the one against Villa, but he's he's very sharp in front of goal. 
So for me, it's more about the getting the chances than putting them away. I think we've always had an issue with finishing because Wilson's the only player, you, like unlike, unlike Villa, Wilson's the only player you can bang on to score a goal. Because you look at the side, and, you know, you look at that team and you go, who else can score a goal in that usual starting eleven? Joe Willock, yes. Callum Wilson, yes. Alan St. Maximin, hit and miss. Miguel Almiron, I wouldn't, I wouldn't Mostly bet five miss. pence on him scoring. So you, you you strip it back like that, and there is an issue. And if Wilson gets injured, like we said last season, the goals really do dry it because you've got Dwight Gale, who he's very hit and miss. You know, is he going to be fit? That's another question. Joe Linton, I, I don't need to elaborate on that. So I think it just emphasised, especially last night, it emphasised how important it was for Newcastle to bring in a backup striker. But I think what Steve Bruce will say is, he, I think he said it in press conferences a few times, he went, look, other sides have the same issues as us, but we've got to take advantage of that. Get a, get, mm. get a decent backup striker in. What's Solomon Rondon doing? This is the point, Harry. Other sides don't have the issue of that. There are um, there are only seven other like seven teams in the entirety of the ninety two that have had more than thirty five shots and scored less goals than we have. But how far yeah. out are them shots? Because you know the amount of time Shelby would be forty five yards out and just hit it into the stands. Right, it, it, whoever it is, it makes for bleak reading. Yeah, that the, the, the other sides are Port Vale, Shrewsbury, Hull oh, City, Sheffield United, Wolves, Arsenal, and obviously then us. Like it makes for bleak reading of all of that, and you you look at the firepower that Arsenal and Wolves have, and you're like, yeah, they're, they're going to turn it around. Port Vale normally always do. Shrewsbury, I have no idea, and Hull City obviously just got promoted. They're going to be down there. Sheffield United have had a torrid run after just being relegated, and probably will turn it around. And then you're looking at ourselves, and it's like, well, we're we're having all of these opportunities. Yes, some maybe from 35 yards out, some maybe from 20 yards out, some maybe. Snapshots from a corner that are always going to be blazing over because you're leaning back further than you are in a recliner in your front room. But <laughs> like, this is an issue for Newcastle United, and already it's an issue. Normally we look at it like November, going, "Hang on a minute, where's our goals coming from?" But it's already an issue. So, do we think we need to change the formation then? Because I know we we talked about this on the last podcast, didn't we, Dad? And said maybe you know yeah. we'll, we'll definitely stick with the back five, and I think we will for the weekend. Uh, if you know we're not scoring goals, we don't really seem great defensively. The midfield we've lost Shelby and Hayden now to injury. Would you change to a back four maybe just to, to get Fraser into the side? I'd love to see us play back four personally. Um, I just think you can have so much more joy going forward, and we're not really benefiting from the stability of having a back five anyway. So I don't see the point of it. Um, it won't happen, and I, I can kind of respect the reasonings why it's not going to happen. You want to stick with a formation that you've worked in all pre-season. Maybe it's not the best idea to just chuck it out because we've had three poor games. So I, I get I do get both sides of the story, and I won't be I won't be fuming if it's a, a back five because that's what that's what they've worked on. It worked end of last season. If they've got that confidence in it, then almost good because there was times last season where there was no confidence in tactics from the manager or his coaching staff and it was changing every week so maybe the stability is is good but I think a 4-2-3-1 would certainly be a lot more exciting to watch yeah and uh, I think Steve Bruce has his own faith in that um, system and the way that Newcastle are playing at the moment obviously what he said at the end of Burnley last night was um, I don't think we've done much wrong despite not winning um, we haven't lost on the night. Oh, well, we did. I saw that. <laughs> I mean, we did. On, <laughs> we did lose. But we have to. We have to keep believing we can turn things around. 
and that that's what Steve uh, Steve has been saying all, all season long is that the belief is there in the camp. We believe that if we keep doing these things correctly and keep doing the fundamentals right with the way that we're playing, then things will eventually turn good. And like, yeah, we look at him and go, like, we put our head in our hands when he opens his mouth for quotes such as this, or we laugh at him when he rolls his eyes that Lee Ryder's Lee is going to ask him a question, um, or, or any of that. But he he does deserve this opportunity to give us um, like time and give us the thing that we've been craving for which is a solid structure of Newcastle United that has an idea and an identity yes it's boring yes it's torrid but like, it's an identity who do you start in the midfield then because like, let's say we're going to we're going to play with the back five again we'll have the, the three in midfield obviously she, uh, Shelby and Hayden they are they're going to be ruled out of the game on Saturday bar and a miracle Almiron you expect to start despite you know missing penalty last night who do you put in the middle, Sean Longstaff? I would assume. Who, who would you put yeah. alongside him? Willick. Yeah. Willick is a nailed on starter, but then if you've got a midfield three of consistent two of Almiron and Willick, there's not a lot of. That's asking a hell of a lot from Sean Longstaff. And he's quite attacking anyway, Sean Longstaff. I think yeah. his preferred role is the Willick sort of position, isn't it? Yeah, he? definitely. He is an attacking midfielder. That's where he's excelled in recent seasons. So that midfield three is alarm bells straight away. I think defensive-minded midfielder, I think it's not going to happen because Bruce obviously doesn't rate him, but I'd I'd like to see Matty being given a chance, to be honest. Matty's the logical choice for me as well because Hendricks, I would say, more of an attacking sort of midfielder. Mm -hmm. Then He's not got the legs either. Same with Sean's more attacking-minded. He'll put a shift in, but with Matty, I'd be more comfortable watching Newcastle play that, that formation with with Matty yeah. playing, absolutely. I think he's got more energy as well in there, which would be absolutely vital against Southampton. He's got something to prove as well to his manager. Yeah. But he hasn't but, had game time. Yeah. No. Yeah, he's he not fit. I, that's an issue with up. us, actually. But the players don't look fit. No. Against no. West Ham and Aston Villa, towards the end of the game, they were just running past us. And it's like, that that's a massive thing. In, that has made such a big difference early on in the season. Because if you're... Team coming up against teams that have got an extra ten minutes in them, then they're going to have fun against you, and it's it, it's a straight away we're again on the back foot. But look at Leeds. I mean, when they finished, was it yeah. tenth, ninth, or tenth last season? And that was just <laughs> purely because they were fitter than every other team in the league. And yeah. obviously, we've got them uh, within the next two games. We've got two of the fittest sides in the next two games in Manchester United, Leeds, and Southampton. Like all three of those sides are fit. That's what you can say about all of them. Like the heart of their midfield, James Old Prowse, he hasn't missed a game in two seasons. Hmm. Like they are fit. All three of them teams are fit. So if you are worried about your fitness levels, then yeah. Um like you can't really start Matthew Longstaff and his brother Sean's gonna have to just put a shift in and like run till he's knackered and sweating his sweating his head off. I think I still think that Southampton and I still think Newcastle are a better side than them, to be honest. Uh, if we if we don't win this game on Saturday, then I, I'm I'm a bit worried now. But if we if we lose on Saturday, then I am a you know it's panic stations because there's a Man United and Leeds the next two games after the international yeah, yeah. break. You're not going to win anything from them games, so you're going to start looking at what four five defeats already to start off the season. It's not a good run. I mean, no. everyone talked about Crystal Palace and under Frank de Boer lost the first seven games. That was catastrophic. How you know Newcastle aren't going to be far off that. That's that's the worry. You've got to start picking up points early, and in previous seasons we have, we usually do start all right. 
we peter off when it comes to Christmas time. We're awful till about March, and then from April and May, we're, we're fantastic like we were last season. Yeah, maybe that is a fitness thing. What I don't know why it seems to take us longer to get into the season. I don't know. Well, who was think... it? Was it Chris Boyd? Did you see that as well on Sky Sports? He turned around after the Villa game and he said, "I think Newcastle need another three or four weeks here because they just don't look fit enough. They're, yeah, they're not. Agree more. They're not a. You know, they they don't they don't look like they can compete. They need another few weeks training because they just weren't at it. <laughs> not a professional yeah, footballer seeing that. He knows he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I think I think you're right about. I think player for player we are better team than Southampton but I just you just don't fancy us to do anything at the minute really the no. way we've gone about things especially if you go one nil down like St James is going to be it's going to be a nightmare, oh it'd be toxic it? yeah. absolutely toxic which we haven't seen obviously in a while because of Covid and I think in Bruce's first season it never it never got toxic at all really no because we had quite a boring season didn't we very boring but he got a, for all this like oh Newcastle fans hate Steve Bruce. He got a pretty easy ride in his first season, yeah, to be honest. I agree. Uh, everyone was kind of like, yeah, it's not good, but we understand. And then obviously it really kicked off in lockdown, so it hasn't had a chance to be toxic. And if we go 1 0 down early on, I mean, it's just going to be an absolute shambles. You guys were at the games um, recently. What was the reaction towards him at Villa and Burnley then? Well, Burnley, to be honest, the crowds at cup games, it's very family-orientated. It's not really the same crowd you'll get on a Premier League match day. Mm. So, I mean, a lot of, like, Brucey give us a wave sort of thing. So, it, it was it was friendly. I mean, you got no stick at all last night, as far as I was as aware. Po- as poor as we were against Villa, there was nothing, nothing I can remember of anything massively anti-Bruce at all, really. So... I don't know, I think that'll change very quickly if things don't pick up mind, I really do. Well, we've got a. I think we'll attempt to wrap up the podcast, isn't it? We've we've covered quite a lot in about 25 minutes, but we'll end off uh, on our predictions. Dan, I'll, I'll come to you first. Southampton on Saturday, what do you think? Um, 1-0 Southampton, Adam Armstrong score. Oh, Alex? 2-0 Newcastle United. You know what, That's I'm going like to go 3-1 Newcastle. I think we'll turn it around this weekend. Uh Callum Wilson hat trick for me if he's fit because he wasn't in the squad yesterday. But I do oh, I'd love a love a Callum Wilson hat trick. It's got it's his time to perform, and I think you'd be really really annoyed that he didn't score against Villa. Should have had two really with the, with the mm. penalty and the one in the first half. But yeah, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Hopefully, but we're coming back next week after a victory. We're going to be bringing out these podcasts every week just before every match day. So hopefully, uh, we're going to be coming back to you with three points against Southampton, but. This has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, the rest of the Premier League and, of course, the EFL. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.